Welcome to How to Win the Dating Game. Today we're going to talk about looks and why they are so important to us when dating. Hi, I'm Trudy Gilbert, known as Australia's Millionaire Matchmaker and Director and Founder of Elite Introductions, an exclusive dating agency for business owners and professionals. And today I'm joined by my partner in business and in life, Andy. Hello everyone. <laughs> this is such a juicy topic. I'm so excited about today's episode. Yeah, it really is. It's a really interesting subject because I think people feel quite strongly about it. I know that my clients are very specific on their requests when it comes to looks in a partner and what they're after. Yeah, and sometimes people uh, associate this with being shallow. So sometimes people don't aren't forthcoming with how strongly they feel about this because they they associate it with being shallow and they don't want to admit that there are certain physical aspects for most people there are certain physical requirements that need to be met so this is a really really interesting topic i think yeah i i agree so let's get started all right so why are looks so important to us well we are naturally drawn to beauty it's very normal. We have a primal association with beauty. Our lizard brain associates certain indicators of beauty with health, vitality, fertility, and virility. Mm, we're, we're actually drawn to certain, what's that called? Symmetry. Symmetry, yeah. Proportion, symmetry, uh, those kinds of things. And it's because we actually associate what we would assume is some level of perfection in that area. We... We associate that with with health and vitality, and it's it's very you know it's very basic. It is, and it's and it's happening subconsciously. I want yeah. just want to make that clear that all of this is going on inside of your head without you even realizing it, which is why you're naturally attracted mm-hmm. to someone who has um, who has symmetry and proportion, and then you then and you look at that person, you go, wow, well they're really attractive, or they're handsome, or they're pretty. So our lizard brain has more control, particularly in the early stages of dating. So physical attraction is more important in the onset, but once we get to know someone, our frontal cortex takes over as we look for other values in order to find someone attractive. So looks represent characteristics for what of what we call the super seven. The seven superficial traits that we consider in the early stages of dating and something that we talk about the super seven in the course available on trudygilbert.com, The Ultimate Partner Program. That's a four-week program and it helps you prepare for and find your dream partner. That's an amazing program. But we talk about, uh, well, you talk about the power of the Super 7, which are these seven traits that we are subconsciously assessing in the early stages. These things fall away when we start to get to know somebody and we start to want more profound and deeper things. But in those early stages, there are things that we are looking for. There are certain boxes that we're subconsciously ticking. And looks, face and body, are right up there in those early stages. That's right. They're two of the the most important ones that we're assessing our potential mates on. And we're going to start by looking at those in a little more detail. So it's not just, it's not just nature, right? It's not just what we're naturally attracted to. Um, within our primal brain, what else do you think? No, well, that's right. There are also social influences at play around beauty. You know, we all like to be with someone who's very attractive. It makes us feel that 
we have a higher elevated status and that has primal influences as well. You know, if your status is elevated, then you're more likely to survive in the tribe and more likely to successfully pass down your seed. Like I said earlier, this is all happening subconsciously when we're selecting a mate. So I think that focusing on looks is very much a shallow desire, but it actually comes from a more deep rooted primal place. So you're saying that, you know, we frown upon the kind of the, the trophy wife concept, right? So mm-hmm. say an older guy with with a beautiful younger partner and and we, we you know, we, we ridicule that. But to a certain extent, what you're saying is that we kind of do that a little bit. We are aware of how other people might see, how our peers might judge our chosen partner. Absolutely. It's a very common thing that people will uh seek out a partner who is either the same status or higher than than themselves right social status and profile is another of the super seven super seven that we talk about so for the first few dates there is a standard social criteria which people are assessing each other and whether or not you agree with these your success lies on the other side of working within these parameters of what our brain is doing in the early stages of dating so there's no point just rising above it and going oh yeah, turning your nose up at it and no. saying, oh, I'm not going to you know, play that game. I'm much deeper than that because yeah. then you're going to lose the game. Yeah, well, that's right because other people are still playing the game with that lizard brain mindset. So, right. so you have even to if you are of... above it, you've got to understand the rules. Correct. You've got to play within the parameters and face and body are two of these superficial traits, that, the seven superficial traits that we've mentioned. And we need to consider why we're attracted to people. And where do they come from? Exactly. All right, so let's start with face. Yep. Let's begin with the typical characteristics of face. So why do we find someone attractive? Uh, What is it about their face? Well, it can be explained quite simply that we're drawn to symmetry and proportion. We associate an evenly balanced face with health and vitality. We associate an evenly balanced face with health and vitality. And you can see from an evolutionary perspective that we would be looking to find someone who is healthy and strong, a very appealing partner for our own survival. And if we were to mate, our offspring's survival would have also a very high chance. Exactly. You know, that is a primal driver for us. Other representations of health and vitality are a more flawless skin complexion. Teeth, hair. Correct, and hair. Mm So, Rich, full hair, you know, nice white teeth, straight teeth. You know, these are these are subconscious symbols of not just health and vitality, but also that's elevated social status as well. Correct. So essentially, we're programmed to find these things attractive. And so too does the rest of society. That's why we can't help but find ourselves attracted to people like Brad Pitt or George Clooney or Scarlett Johansson or Angelina Jolie. Rihanna. <laughs> it's it's just biology and evolution. Mm-hmm. So, yep. you know, that's our first point and and I think what's essential is that is that we call it, we name it, we mm-hmm. say it. And mm-hmm. then we'll come back to how you can move forward once that you've owned it. If you understand what it is, you can take away its power. Yes, that's mm-hmm. right. It's essentially exactly. All right, well, so we've talked a little bit about face. Let's talk about body. Okay. Again, it's primal associations around shape uh, and height and things like that. So 
it's about proportion and, and the associations that we draw from them. So for a man, you know, people who desire a man want that V shape, that sort of strong shoulders and chest and narrow waist, because that sort of, that's signifies strength and virility, vitality. And then for a woman, it's the more hourglass shape, you know, voluptuous breasts and hips, again, suggesting fertility and nurturing and all those things that we're, we're associating that are powerful associations with, with the feminine body. I know for you, it's uh, Salma Hayek is your favorite. Salma, big, big (laughs) fan of Salma. And that's exactly right. I mean, such a strong representation of femininity. Yeah. The feminine, the feminine body, the voluptuous feminine, it's programming. Mm, That's right. Not just, again, what we were talking about before, not just evolutionary programming, but what my father was attracted to and commented on when I was a kid. Well, Sophia Loren, I mean, you know, one of the sexiest women alive. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I think is interesting is when we go to talk about personal experiences and taste and we learn where your framework began, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's a really interesting discussion, which we're going to get to shortly. Um, But a little bit more about the body is that, you know, we associate a lean body to mean a certain level of health and vitality and fitness, which may not even be the case, by the way. Mm-hmm. You know, just because somebody's slim doesn't mean that they're internally healthy. But this is the programming. that. But we this have. is the programming that we have. Exactly. And again, we're drawn to someone who has that health and fitness, because again, it means that we're going to be we're going to have fit and healthy offspring and we're going to have a high chance of survival. Mm-hmm. And this is before we get to the stage where that represents other things. We might be drawn to someone who's lean and fit because that's a representation of a value that we hold high. Well, I I would go so far as to say that apart from that primal desire to be with someone who's fit and healthy because it's going to help us survive, Mm -hmm. there's more than, Mm -hmm. than that level. There's another level which is that we draw conclusions about people who are fit and healthy, Mm -hmm. which are appealing to us. So for example, if health and fitness is one of our important values and we see that in another partner, well, that's a big tick and then that's an alignment. Mm -hmm. So we're excited by that. And we can make it mean other things too. That shows me that they're successful. That shows me they have higher levels of self-love. That's right. Those kinds of things. And they're all attractive traits. They're all very attractive traits. It shows that the person has commitment, that they've made health and fitness a priority in their lives and that they have continued to seek out their goal. And that's no mean feat. No, no. To be successful in in life and be fit and healthy is is the final frontier it's it's complicated that's right and again i want to stress this is all happening subconsciously Mm -hmm. it's all Mm -hmm. these underlying factors that are at work okay so there's going to be people that are listening that are going to be like well hold on a second i don't find those things attractive my my list of criteria for what is attractive or what my tastes are or type is are completely different to what you're talking about So what do you say to that? All right. Well, what I would say to that is that, look, there are two levels going on here. One Mm. are the normal primal drivers that we've talked about, that there are certain things that you're attracted to and that we're programmed to respond to. And then on the other hand, you have your own personal tastes based on your life history, what you've been exposed to and the culture that you've been raised with. Mm. The pop culture. The pop culture and what we personally associate with beauty. So often, you know, this, these tastes and experiences were formed in your adolescence and it's what you first found attractive. You know, I'm going to show my age here, but I have to, 
I have to say that um, I, in when I was a child, so this is prepubescent, I was, you know, my first crushes were Charlie's Angels TV, you know, and that was these... Farrah Fawcett and Farrah, Jacqueline, Jacqueline Smith. Jacqueline Smith. <gasps> Right, so gorgeous, beautiful, feminine, but powerful women. Yeah, and, and strong, powerful. Yeah, and so so it, it was an introduction to the concept of, mm-hmm. of women being strong and, and that was a key turning point, really, a social turning point. But I think that's really been a cornerstone of something that I've always been drawn to mm. and that's where it started. I mean, it started when I was a kid. Mm. And then what about, and then that, with and then, well, then, and then Madonna? Adoles- ad- yeah, well, definitely, adolescence you know, was in my teenage years was Madonna and uh, very early teens, and you know, right around that whole like like a virgin stuff, you know, that the beautiful, rich, rich, thick hair and sexual you know, showing all the all the, you know, the feminine sexuality is kind of like Marilyn Monroe and steroids, you know, the 80s version. That's what she was. Mm. And still, again, very strong woman taking control, all that kind of concept so that these were these were the indicators that I took in those early years yeah that I can see those characteristics in all my partners yeah that's really interesting mm. I, I and ha- some of them are physical characteristics and some of them are, are other you know deeper characteristics but they definitely I can think back and think you know I I always I I prefer long hair mm-hmm. on a woman mm-hmm. um, and when I look at my crushes, even my childhood crushes and my teenage crushes, they all had that hair. So in my mind, I've obviously made some decision as a, as a kid about what is attractive. And that now is a player in how I deem what is attractive and what isn't attractive in my daily life. Mm. It's really interesting. Mm. It, it is fascinating when you mm. actually sit and analyze where it comes from, how it began, how it plays out in your life. I, I want to share with you what my epiphany and awakening was. Mm-hmm. And it's quite funny because it kind of came full circle back to me. I'll, I'll explain what I mean. So when I was growing up, my male crush. <laughs> Hold on. Let me let me do the soundtrack because I know what this is, right? <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yes. You're right. It was Harrison Ford. Okay. Look, he was, you know, he was in everything. He was Han Solo. He was, you know, Indiana Indiana Jones. Jones. And I just thought he was amazing. He was tall, is tall, tall, handsome, masculine, charming and funny. He was quick-witted. He was resourceful. um, Resourceful. He could get out of situations. And he was very sexy. Mm -hmm. Um, Man on a mission. Yeah. So, you know, when when I was young, like I'm talking, you know, probably teenager Mm -hmm. that's who i thought was had was the embodiment of it all Mm -hmm. and so also he's a bit of a bad boy he's referred to in star wars or empire strikes back as a scoundrel yes and he loves it right she calls him a scoundrel he's like oh i like that scoundrel yeah he's that's right i actually forgotten that bit of bad boy yes that's that's true that's really true um so so what effect did this have on me? This is really interesting. So in my early 20s, when I was dating and I literally went out looking for men who resembled Harrison Ford. Physically resembled. Physically resembled Harrison Ford. Which, How'd that work out for you? Well, not that good. <laughs> <laughs> because really, how many men are, are there out there that look like Harrison Ford? One. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, it was a 
it was a failed plan, right, from the mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. And my girlfriend sat me down and she was like, what are you doing? Why are you looking for a man that looks like Harrison Ford? You are never going to be happy because he's not out there and you're going to mm-hmm. die alone. Mm-hmm. You have to change the way that you approach this. That was that was a pretty wise thing for a, for a young girl to come to you. It was. It, absolutely it was. She was spot on and I was very grateful for that advice because I probably wasted, I'm not going to lie, maybe two or three years with that headspace thinking that in order for me to have a man that was masculine, charming, resourceful, funny and witty, he had had to to look look like like Harrison Ford. I had it all wrapped up in the one package. Mm. So I hadn't separated them at Mm. that point. And what's interesting is that only a couple of years ago, I had a woman who came to me in her mid-50s telling me, that her type was Harrison Ford and that right. she wanted to meet a man that looked like that. So did you get an opportunity to give her give her a serve with your advice that you'd received from your friend oh, I decades sure, earlier? I sure did. I said to her, look, I'm sorry if that's your benchmark. I can't help you. You're going to unfortunately remain single for the rest of your life with that wish list. Because they're not out there. That's it's, right. This, I said to her, I'm not a cloning Hollywood agency. Or a virtual reality partner provider. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, and that was really sad because she was in her mid-50s and still hadn't learnt that lesson. Mm. And I do have clients that come to me with a very set, prescriptive image of what they want their partner to look like. I've had people tell me eye colour. And I've had people really descriptive with height. And I think, Wow. Why do you have an image already of what your partner looks like? Mm. How do you know who you're going to fall in love with? How Mm. do you know who you're going to find attractive? You could meet someone at a party, at a bar, at a conference, at a holiday resort and find them completely charming and engaging and, and attractive and they might not even be your type. They might not look like the image that you have in your head. Here's the other thing that when people do find people that are physically match their type in the early stages is that doesn't take long for them to stop being attracted to them if they don't have the deeper levels of characteristics that they're looking to align with. Yes, that's right. And furthering on that, when you do find someone who you're attracted to, if they turn out to not be as nice as you'd thought, then they become less attractive Mm, as well over time. Yeah, and you can find, you know, I was making references before to, to the things that I've always been attracted to. But when I look back at my history, I can see that there were that, that my partners have looked very different, um, ethnically very different, uh, and body shape very different, all those kinds of things. And what I can remember is that when I was with a particular type, say I was <clears throat> with somebody who was uh, fair, uh, Anglo, very very thin, I noticed that as beauty later on because I had fallen for that person. So then those characteristics became what I was drawn to. Mm. So I would see them and notice them in other people. Mm. Whereas at other times when I was with somebody who was of a different ethnicity and a different body shape that I then found those things attractive. So I think that you, where you fall in love can change what your tastes are as well. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, we're not entirely at fault here. The idea of what masculinity is, what femininity is, is fed to us through pop culture, through cinema, music, fashion, celebrities. 
society thrusts these perceptions onto us, mm. you know. Mm. Uh, George Clooney is the ideal of masculinity and Scarlett Johansson, for example, is the ideal of femininity. And then we think, okay, well, I want those things in a partner, so that's my benchmark. <laughs> so now I have to look for a man who is tall, dark and handsome and be a 10 out of 10 and look like he's just stepped out of the pages of GQ <laughs> if I want a, a man that is masculine. <laughs> now, how realistic is that? Well, it's completely unreal. <laughs> you know, there are other ways to show masculinity. It doesn't have to come in that one package. I think it's strong associations that people are making. They're making physical associations and not realising they're doing it. They want certain characteristics in a person and they're deciding that those things are meant by their physical attributes. Yes. And yep. that's a big problem, I think. Agreed. Well, I just think we're making it too important in the early stages. We're going to find things attractive about somebody once we get to know them. And if somebody doesn't have the the deeper, more profound characteristics that we're looking for in a partner, they're going to become less attractive no matter how beautiful they are. Absolutely. And, and, and vice versa, that the more right. you get to know someone, the more attractive they become to you. Because if you're you, connecting and in, if you're aligning with values and you're seeing this going in a certain way and you're, you're connecting on better levels, more advanced levels, then that person becomes more physically attractive. Mm. I've experienced changing my what I would call my type towards the person who I'm connecting with. Mm, that's right. And I, I will say to clients, you know, who'll give me feedback after their dates, well, what did you think? And they'll go, look, you know, he was he or she was mm. nice. You know, mm. they were, I found them attractive, but I'm just not sure if, if there's that chemistry there. Mm -hmm. So I'd sometimes say to clients, if you find someone a six or a seven out of 10, you like the qualities that you're seeing, but you're just not sure if you're attracted, give it time because it's likely that the more you learn about them, the more attractive they'll become. Exactly. Mm -hmm. The more attractive they'll become. Don't write them off because they're not a nine or more out of 10. Mm -hmm. You know, our perception of people changes as, as we learn more about them. And the slow burn are often the ones that have the most longevity. Most of the time they are. That's fact. right. You know, I've had situations where clients have rung me and the girl, for example, has gone, look, he's nice, he's lovely, but I'm just not sure if it's there. Then I've spoken to him and he's gone, oh, she's great, she's wonderful, you know, we're going to go out again. And then a few weeks later, I check in and see how they're going and they're dating. Mm -hmm. You know, And then she's completely yeah. elevated her. She's there. She's time. there. She's found out it's all these wonderful qualities to... about him and, you know, they've and connected. elevated attraction. That's right. The more you get to know someone, the more attractive they become. So you're saying that it's more like the, the, the box that you should be ticking is that they're reasonably attractive. Yes. That's fine. Uh, and, then, and then put it aside. Yeah, and then see if there are deeper qualities that are there that are going to allow for your connection, like similar values, life stage, interests, all of those things that we look at when we're considering someone for a life partner. Move past the physical and dig, dig a little deeper. Mm -hmm. You'd be surprised how quickly that elevates your physical attraction to somebody. That's right. And this actually leads us to two points that I'd like to make to summarize what we've talked about today to kind of give you some takeaway tips about how to manage the whole looks and attraction thing so that it doesn't get in your way and allows you to move forward. Mm -hmm. 
The first one is what I would call accept and reject. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, our attraction to looks is completely normal. We've talked about how it's evolutionary, it's nature and nurture. We've talked about how it also stems from our personal life experience. Let's just accept it. Mm. Don't villainize it, but let's give it less power and mm. understand that it is temporary and we can do something about it. It's like when you're doing uh, therapy with a, with a psych, you know, sometimes just understanding where something's coming from and why you're doing something can minimize its power. That's right. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Know that it's there, but know that you can override it Mm -hmm. because you can't know who you're going to find attractive. Mm -hmm. And why would you limit yourself to one model, one type, one version? Mm -hmm. Be open. See where things take you. And there's so many more important things that you need to focus on when you're choosing a life partner and assessing compatibility on various levels. So the sooner you minimize the power, Mm -hmm. the happier you'll be. Yeah, that's good. Analyze and move forward. Figure out what's behind the looks that you find attractive. Analyze what it is that you like about them, why you're drawn to that person. So for me, once I separated the looks of Harrison Ford And the characteristics that I really liked about him, you know, that he was charming and Mm -hmm. witty and resourceful and masculine. I then began to look for those qualities in other forms. Mm -hmm. And in the same way that I sought out strong, independent women that were also feminine. Yes. So trying to get that balance. It didn't really matter what they looked like. No, you weren't looking. Yeah, it stopped mattering what they looked like. And it started to become about things that mattered to me. And I could see those things in in women that looked very different and found them attractive because they represented those things rather than they had blue eyes or... That's right. You you weren't looking for a Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, you weren't looking for a Farrah Fawcett lookalike, which is what I wanted to say earlier, but I couldn't yet because we hadn't talked about, you know, my journey with Harrison Ford, that Mm -hmm. you realised that you wanted those elements. They didn't have to come in that one package. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think that's really key because I think a lot of people still believe that it has to come in a certain package. Yeah, sometimes you... Have you ever seen anyone that dates the same type of person? Oh, absolutely. Like the same look? Absolutely. And you go, God, they look... They look or you go, oh my God, they look exactly like that person's ex. Totally. I've got, mm. a, I've got a male friend and he only ever dates petite blondes. That's mm. it. That's his type. Yeah. He just won't go out of that mould. Which is why I only spend short periods of time in relationships. (laughs) So I think what's important to understand is that when you realize where your motivations are coming from, it's easier to disempower them and it's easier to minimize them. But if you don't understand where they're coming from, then you allow them to have a stronger grip on you. Mm -hmm. And I really want to emphasize to people who think that love has to come in a certain package with a list of attributes, that is not what's going to make them happy because you because you're going to spend a lot of time looking for something that is not out there. Plus, you, you're and putting, waste time. And then when you, even if you were lucky enough to find it on a physical level, then you're going to find that they don't actually represent what you really think is important. You're just out of touch. I, I don't think anybody is really that shallow. Like they think those things represent something. When they find somebody that is a type, like the guy you were just talking about, then it turns out that that person doesn't have the deeper characteristics that they're really looking for. So they're associated with looks. So what happens is they 
They now want something deeper, something more profound, and it's not there. So that must be very confusing for them. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Rather yeah. than looking for those characteristics in somebody. Yes. doesn't matter what they look like. That's right. So get clear on what it is that you really are looking for, why those characteristics are important, not the package they come in, mm-hmm. but what the characteristics are. Mm-hmm. And look for the beauty. Mm. I think look for the beauty in someone. Mm. Like don't decide what beautiful is. Mm. Look at somebody if you're considering them for a mate and look at what's what is beautiful about that person. Yeah, I like that. Mm. I really like that. Well, I hope that you've really enjoyed our episode today. Yeah, it's, and a really, it's a really gutsy subject, isn't it? Yeah, because it's quite controversial. People are pretty clear on their views on it. So I don't know. I really... Well, they don't want to talk about it because they don't like the fact that they're heavily influenced because they, make, they think it makes them look shallow. Mm. But I think understanding that, yes, it is primal. Yes, it's, a, it's part of how you were raised and what you were exposed to. If you understand those things, you can, like you're saying, you can minimize the power of them and just to have them be influences, but not overtaking your decisions yeah. and then causing you to make bad choices when you're considering someone for a relationship. That's right. And it is only skin deep, okay? We, mm-hmm. we want to look at the more substantial characteristics of, of someone's personality and their values and all those things that are that are essential when we're deciding on who we're going to spend our lives with. Mm-hmm. And if you're lying next to someone who's gorgeous and is a total pain in the ass, <laughs> you're not going to be happy. No, trust me. No, you are not. <laughs> well, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Please subscribe to our channel. If you'd like more information on the Super 7 characteristics and how to find and attract your ideal partner, please go to trudygilbert.com and you'll find our course on the Ultimate Partner Program. There's also quite a few free resources that you can download as well. Please share the podcast with your friends and we'll be back next week with another juicy episode of How to Win the Dating Game.